Unlock your Bible. Discover the true meaning of life. Learn the cause of world problems and the astounding solution. Prove for yourself what the future holds. In the Trumpet Literature Library, you will find answers to life's most important questions. Explore these vital titles on Trumpet Bookshelf. Welcome to Trumpet Bookshelf. I'm Grant Turgeon. Every one of us wants to be happy. We might search for happiness in different ways, but really that's how we build our lives. We want to find happiness somehow. Of course, there are many different ways to look for happiness. Most of those ways end up backfiring rather spectacularly. A lot of us know this from experience. But what is the way to happiness? Is there some sort of a tried and true, a tested way that does bring happiness? We can look around in society today and we see all kinds of advertisements and media about just indulging the senses, eating, drinking, indulging in all kinds of pleasure. That's what this society is built on. Sensual pleasure, fulfilling, gratifying the five senses. And yet we know that when we go over the top, gratifying the senses, it doesn't really lead to anything good. We might have a temporary thrill from something like that, from drinking too much alcohol or whatever it might be. And then the next day, we realize that the fun we were having really wasn't so fun. That fun was no longer fun the next day. And so really, that is a type of happiness that simply cannot last. There is a man in history, a man in the Bible, who really turned his entire life into the grand happiness experiment. He tried everything. He sampled every method to try to find happiness. And finally, by the end of his life, through way too much trial and error, he figured it out. Here's what it says in Ecclesiastes 2, verse 1. I said in mine heart, go to now. I will prove you with mirth. Therefore, enjoy pleasure. And behold, this also is vanity. So, this was the ancient Israelite King Solomon. He wanted to enjoy pleasure, yet it didn't result in anything good for him. And he went to every extreme. Like I said, he built all kinds of nice homes for himself, gardens. He had 1,000 combined wives and concubines. So 1,000 women. Every type of 
pleasure. He sought it out. He found it, and he put that into his life. Ecclesiastes 2, verse 3. I sought in mine heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting mine heart with wisdom, and to lay hold on folly till I might see what was that good for the sons of men, which they should do under the heaven all the days of their life. So here Solomon's talking about drinking. He's talking about really just silliness, maybe maybe being a little bit too inclined to laugh all the time. <laughs> and And so... Really, you can start to see how King Solomon was trying hard. And he was trying the things that most of us think will bring happiness. He goes on to talk about all of his possessions, all of the people who served him, every type of finer pleasure, all the finer things in life he added to his life. And then notice what it says here in verse 11. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 11. Here's what happened when he surveyed everything he had done to bring happiness into his life. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit. And there was no prophet under the sun. Isn't that amazing? He realized that all of his efforts to find happiness were in vain. In fact, they led to vexation of spirit. Being vexed means being really irritated or frustrated, even angry. In his pursuit of happiness, Solomon actually became angry. In a way, it had the exact opposite effect to the one that he actually wanted. Now, throughout this book, Ecclesiastes, you can see how Solomon starts to learn his lesson a little bit. Remember, he started out in this grand happiness experiment just trying to overload the senses, gratify the senses with pleasures to the extreme. But then Ecclesiastes chapter three, he starts to talk about balance and moderation. He says, Ecclesiastes three, verse one, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. He talks about in verse four, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Remember, Solomon gave himself over to folly, just out of control, silliness and laughter. And he realized that wasn't the way to be happy. Here in chapter three of Ecclesiastes, he's talking about how there's a time to laugh there's a time to dance. We can't laugh in serious situations, in life or death situations. There is a time when laughter is appropriate, when dance is appropriate. 
but it's not all day, every single day. There is a set time for these things. He talked about verse eight, a time to love and a time to hate a time of war and a time of peace. So moderation, there's a time for everything. Now, this is something to realize when it comes to God's way of life. We have to understand that God does not want to rob us of good pleasures in moderation. As long as it doesn't lead to addiction or destroying our character. God never takes away good things from us. In fact, God's law only prevents us from experiencing things that will cause pain and unhappiness. Notice this quote from the July 2022 True Education magazine. This is an article titled The Costly Pursuit of Happiness by Mr. Stephen Flurry. And he writes, Here is the key variable that must be included in our happiness equation. Real, abundant happiness comes not from what you have, but from doing what is right. And not doing what is right in your own eyes, but what is right in God's eyes. If you have that as your main focus in life, you are guaranteed to have super abundant joy and happiness. The key to this happy living is just as simple and straightforward as figuring the answer to five plus two. But that's just it. It's so simple that most people do not recognize it. They think it's something much bigger and far more complicated. It's not. Like I said earlier, we could think of so many different ways that people throughout history have tried to achieve happiness. But where has that led? Was it really happiness that lasts? How can we actually receive permanent happiness? Is that even possible at all? Well, if there was such a way, we would all be scrambling to live that way. The thing is, it's so easy to overthink this subject. To think that, well, happiness is always just out of reach because I don't make enough money. Or I haven't found my soulmate. Or I don't have my ch any children yet. I don't have a pet. I don't have this prized possession. But if I could just get a little bit more, if I could just have a little bit more, I would finally be happy. Hard human experience, lessons of history show us this is not true. Getting more would mean, if that, if that led to happiness, if getting more led to happiness, that would mean that every celebrity would be the happiest in the world. Yet we know that most of those people are not happy. They've gone through multiple divorces. 
they have suffered with mental health problems or even committed suicide, clearly we can see that materialism, physical things do not cause happiness. Here's what Mr. Stephen Flurry continued writing in this article, The Costly Pursuit of Happiness. Happiness is a way of thinking. It's a condition of the mind. It comes as a result of doing what's right. That means action. It means making your life one that is useful, successful, and concerned first with growing in the knowledge of God's unselfish love. This is something I've really been working on a lot. It's so easy to fall into the have to mentality. I have to complete this assignment. I have to do this. I have to do that. When we really should have a get to mentality. I get to. I am blessed to have this opportunity. How amazing is this? I've realized how much of a blessing the various aspects of my life are and how so much of the time I've just looked at them the wrong way. I've seen them as obstacles or burdens or just really hard challenges where I just have to strain and put my head down and plow through. And that's just not the right mentality. There is always a positive way to view every situation. I have a wonderful wife and two children, a great place to live, a beautiful environment surrounding where I live. I can enjoy a good meal or a nice drink, whatever I want on any given day. There is so much contentment. My jobs, my various jobs are challenging, but they're fun. And it's all just a matter of looking at these things the right way. That's how to be happy. Asking God for a positive mindset and realizing how blessed we really are. It's a way of thinking. It comes from doing what is right. I was talking to someone the other day and he was basically sharing a heart to heart with me about how so often in life he has tried to do things his own way. He has tried to work out his own solutions and just get the things he thought would provide contentment. And it never worked out. It was disastrous. And I could totally relate to everything he was saying. We humans are very stubborn. We think we know better than anyone else a lot of the time. We're the smartest person in the room. No one could tell us any different. And then we forget that we have a creator who literally knows the best way for us. He made us 
A creator knows his creation backwards and forwards. He knows what his creation is supposed to do, how it's supposed to function, the way it's supposed to operate. And it's the same with God and us. He knows the way that is best for us, the way that will provide the most happiness. And he even tells us what that way is. It is about doing right. It's, it's really wonderful to study into the Ten Commandments. And when we look at each of those the right way, when we see those laws the way God does, we can, we can really discern God's concern for us. How he is just trying to prevent us from endless heartache and self-inflicted wounds. He is trying to give us a way of life that is balanced and productive and satisfying. A way of life where we avoid the pitfalls that are so common to mankind. A way of life where we enjoy the fun without the side effects. It's really a fascinating study, the Ten Commandments. We have an entire booklet called The Ten Commandments, available to you for free at thetrumpet.com. I would highly recommend studying that. There's so much more depth to to those commandments than you might expect. And that booklet shows how every single problem in the entire world would be solved if we just kept the Ten Commandments. That sounds like a peaceful world. That sounds like a happy world. And it's all a result of God's perfect law of love. God writes out the best way for us to live. He gives us the formula for achieving happiness. Mr. Stephen Flurry continues here to guide us in our spiritual journey. God has given us rules or laws that govern happy, abundant living, much like scientific laws govern mathematics. God set those laws in motion so that we might be happy. Now, this is a major proof that God's way for us will really work. All we have to do is observe creation, observe the universe. Scientists will tell you that the universe operates by definite laws, laws of gravity, inertia, the way that planets orbit a sun, the way that you can forecast the weather. So much of the universe is predictable. Scientists can tell exactly when another eclipse will occur. The universe is not random. It's not chaotic. It does operate based on laws. The human body operates based on health laws. All the other creatures on the planet operate a certain way. A chicken here in Oklahoma is going to act like a chicken up in Minnesota. God made them. 
to fulfill a specific purpose and function on earth. And so chickens are not wildly different depending on the geography. They're the same everywhere. It's true of human beings too. We might look different, come from different backgrounds, have different cultures and religions, but every human being wants to be happy. We all want to live a satisfying way of life. We all have goals and dreams. We all have feelings. We all have the ability to think like God if we want to. There is order on this planet. There is order in the universe. And there is order in the Ten Commandments, in the laws that God gives us to show us a happy life. Mr. Flurry continues, do you realize that God has never given one command against something unless that act brings harm and unhappiness? God's laws and rules are there to preserve happiness and joy, not take them away. God's law only prohibits those things that bring unhappiness and pain. He goes on to talk about a fleshly thrill or a temporary high that could come from breaking God's law. But again, those things have consequences. Breaking the law does bring punishment. There is an inevitable crash. And we don't have to experience that. We don't have to go that way. God gives us a way of life that is truly abundant and satisfying. A happy way of life. Here is the way that King Solomon wrapped it all up. You know, this king who overindulged and went to extremes to acquire every material thing he possibly could, all in this grand happiness experiment, this grand happiness experiment. Here's how Solomon summed it up. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. This is Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. After a lifetime of unbridled pleasure-seeking, Solomon finally learned it's all about keeping God's commandments. These laws that absolutely will bring happiness with no drawbacks, no side effects. It's a fun way of life. And you can prove it. Solomon tried to prove it the wrong way. He started out trying to prove happiness by doing it his own way. We can do it. We can start proving it by trying out God's way first. And we can avoid all of the needless suffering. 
There is a way that leads to happiness. And you can find it in God's law. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Trumpet Bookshelf. You've been listening to Trumpet Bookshelf. Please email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for new episodes every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time.